This is episode number 181 with founder and managing partner at velocitygroup.io, Tim Lafferty. Welcome to the Super Data Science Podcast. My name is Kirill Eremenko, data science coach and lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you inspiring people and ideas to help you build your successful career in data science. Thanks for being here today. And now let's make the complex simple. Welcome back to the Super Data Science Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Very excited to have you on the show today. And we've got a special guest, Tim Lafferty, who is the founder and managing partner at VelocityGroup.io. So Velocity Group is a consulting firm that's worked with some big clients such as Deloitte, Delta, Pluralsight, and many more. Uh, their website is VelocityGroup.io. And what we talked about today is a lot of experience that, or a lot of insights that Tim got from his experience in this world of consulting in the space of data science. So specifically, you'll learn about data architecture, the predictive layer and the presentation layer, and what the differences are, which one, which one of those three is the most important according to Tim and why. Uh, we'll also talk about Tim's personal journey through data science, how he got to where he is, how he started his consulting uh, business and what they're doing these days. And also, actually in this podcast, Tim prepared, for this podcast, Tim prepared 10 things that a degree won't teach you, 10 tips for your data science career, which we went through one by one in detail and I personally enjoyed a ton. In fact, we had so much fun going through these tips that we decided to put together an infographic. So I literally just jumped off the call with Tim just now. So the infographic as of right now is still an idea, but when you're listening to this podcast, it's already going to be ready and you'll be able to download it. So if you're in front of your computer right now, then head on over to www.superdayascience.com slash 181 where you will find the show notes for this episode and the infographic is there so you can follow along with the episode. Um, if uh, at the same time you're listening in the car or while you're jogging, that's totally fine as well because you can just listen to the episode and then when you get home, remember to go to uh, the show notes and download the infographic from there. And of course, there's going to be lots of fun and lots of laughs in this episode. Really enjoyed chatting to Tim and can't wait for you to check out all the insights that he had to share. And without further ado, let's dive straight into it. I bring to you Tim Lafferty, founder and managing partner at Velocity Group. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Super Data Science Podcast. Today, I've got a very exciting guest with me on the show, Tim Lafferty from Atlanta. Tim, how are you going today? I'm doing well. How about you, Well. Doing well, very much so as well. And uh, man, so excited to have you on the show. We've been, we've been chatting a bit just before podcast. And first thing I probably want people to know is your goal for this podcast. I loved it when you just stated that. Could you just state that again, please, for our listeners? What's, what's your main goal for today's show? Yeah, sure. So my objective uh, with speaking with you today is is really to make sure that a lot of newcomers in the industry 
um, have a less intimidated approach to getting in here. Um, sometimes I believe newcomers can uh, have this feeling of, oh my gosh, data science community is very daunting. It's overwhelming. Um, and my goal is really just uh, to make it more of a fun approach. Fantastic, man. I love that. And I'm all in. So let's, let's do this, man. Let's, let's break the barriers and destroy the myths. You ready for this? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So first thing, I'll probably uh, officially read out your uh, LinkedIn title because I love it. And then you can explain <laughs> a little bit. So Tim Lafferty is a wrangler of data, architect of algorithms, and the destroyer of pie charts. So cool, man. Tell us a bit more about that. Like, what do you do? What do you do in life, man? So uh, most of what I do, uh, professionally at least, is data-centric. And um, in my opinion, there's really three main aspects um, that, that make a successful life cycle of a data project. Mm -hmm. And so uh, the first one, and maybe not necessarily serialized, but the first one being um, – the, the data architecture, the modeling side of things, mm -hmm. um, having proper structure. Mm -hmm. um, and the second one would be the predictive layer. So mm -hmm. this is where all the machine learning takes place, the algorithm developments, and um, all of the, the fun stuff. And as I joke around, it's, it's the nerdy stuff that we all like. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> and finally, there's the presentation layer, mm -hmm. this being uh, wherever you deliver your results to the intended audience. Mm -hmm. And so um, those are the three fundamentals um, in my opinion, that create a really strong foundation to a successful uh, data project. Mm, gotcha, gotcha. That, that's really cool. So we've got data architecture, predictive layer, and presentation layer that make this um, whole thing work together. So just before we dive into each one of those and like discuss them in a bit more detail, let's paint the picture for our audience. So um, I'd like for our listeners to know your that. Um, where you're actually getting all of these insights from that you're not just like you know read a book and you pick them out of thin air you're actually <laughs> you're actually a managing partner and uh, creator of a consulting firm if I may call it such uh, velocity sure. group development and um, <clears throat> the web website for those interested and what, like listening to this on your computers it's velocitygroup.io and you guys are like as far as I can see and from what we discussed are quite a successful consulting business, been in, being around for five years, and you work with companies like Deloitte, Delta, Pluralsight, and others, and so quite a, quite some big names there. Tell us a bit about the whole business and what how it all started, and so so that our listeners know where these insights are coming from. Okay, so um, really. We founded Velocity Group on a um, more of a data architecture business model, mm. um, and then you know have the layer of uh, predictive analytics. And so one thing that we realized pretty early on is that a lot of companies are doing this. Machine learning's hot right now, man. Mm -hmm. It's it's fantastic, um, as is uh, data architecture in general. Mm -hmm. um, and so we weren't really having the traction that we wanted, and uh, all of a sudden something clicked. Um, actually, a good friend of mine, Ryan Noakes, mm -hmm. uh, with LightPost Analytics, asked me, hey, are you interested in teaching Tableau? Mm -hmm. This was a couple years ago. And so uh, I decided, sure, why not? Mm -hmm. uh, I had played with Tableau, and uh, it was an area that I absolutely needed uh, needed some help on. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I learned it with his curriculum, um, ended up becoming very comfortable with it. And so uh, after I did the training, I came back uh, to the company 
to velocity and realized that's that's really the piece that we were missing mm. um, is adding this visualization layer. And uh, I think as, as backwards as it may sound, mm. the visualization piece actually comes first mm-hmm. in most of our engagements with clients. Mm-hmm. Um, so, for instance, a, a typical engagement might be that we go to a client and we say, hey, how are your how are your reports? How are your um, BI visualizations? And so we'll touch some of those up, and those lead to bigger questions, like how can we fix this, or what would happen if we changed this? Um, And then we can start right back at the beginning of uh, data structure to prediction to visualization. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Gotcha. Wow. That's really That's a fancy way of saying we stumbled into it. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Okay. So um, that's, that's a very interesting thing, because I've actually notice this on the podcast more and more that visualization is starting to play a higher role in in the world so just so you started the whole company in predictive in the predictive layer then uh, added data architecture shortly after and but then the presentation layer is actually what made the big difference why do you think that is why do you think more and more so in today's day and age the presentation layer is the actual missing component, the the thing that makes or breaks a project or uh, makes or breaks a relationship with a client? Um, I believe that the visualization layer uh, is is the simplest. I don't want to, I don't mean that in an offensive way. I just think that it's perhaps viewed as the simplest uh, portion of the, of the life cycle. Um, but the truth is, I think it's one of the most important because it's, it's the vehicle of which you transport your results uh, to the client. Mm-hmm. And your clients don't want to look at your Jupyter notebooks, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> most of them, uh, if you gave them scripts like that, they're not going to know what to do with it. Um, we as humans are, are just more visually inclined. And so if you show them um, just stunning visualizations about their data, they instantly have an emotional connection and it gets them excited about doing more stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, this, it's pretty rare that uh, that I've run into clients that really, really care about the back-end technical stuff. I mean the line-by-line code, right? Yeah. Um, of course, we'll talk about models and what we're doing in terms of structure, but um, I, I think sometimes that's, that's what they use us for, right? They hire us in data science in general to, um, to take care of that. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. And uh, actually, to your point about... Um, clients not wanting just to look at your Jupyter notebooks or code. I was watching a talk um, just recently by Anne-Marie, I think. Uh, it wasn't her TED talk, it was something else. And um, So this is a lady that uh, talks about the power of storytelling. Uh, oh, yeah. So Anne-Marie ha- Hugh-Tailing, that's her name. And so in one of her talks, like I watched a short snippet, she said that when you are just conveying, you know, just conveying information to someone, especially in consulting, especially in a technical kind of discipline, there's only two parts of the brain of the person you're talking to that are activated. Uh, don't really remember what they're called. They have some scientific names. And they, so that's the way they're processing and recording information. But when all of a sudden you add visualizations, you turn that whole... A technical spiel or you know your report that you're delivering you t- turn into a story um, then five parts of their brain are activated and they remember and understand things way better 
So have you noticed that when so since the time that you added the presentation layer, have you noticed like a better um, like I, I would understand of course your clients would be more enthusiastic about the results, but do, is the retention better? Are do you have like better um, insights and I mean like do they get better insights out of it and do they understand uh, the results faster than it was before? Yes, yes, exponentially. And so a, a good um, a good exercise for this is uh, if you read out 10 different statistics uh, or 10 different metrics, if you will, KPIs of a company, uh, and we often do this in the um, beginning phase, and uh, ask them to repeat them back to you an hour later, right? <laughs> Go on, move on, talk about them. Uh, very, very rarely can they remember more than three or four. Mm. Um, however, if you provide a chart that's engaging, mm -hmm. um, most of them can remember seven to eight. Wow. So, uh, I mean, that's just in, in my personal experience, uh, that's, that's part of something we do in the sales process. Mm -hmm. um, why should we do a visualization, right? We're mm -hmm. using uh, tables right now and they're working fine. Mm -hmm. Well, because you retain more, therefore you can act on more mm -hmm. and you can turn your company and make it more of a proactive, mm -hmm. uh, data-driven company that makes decisions based on uh, seven or eight of those uh, questions that I asked earlier as opposed to three or four. Yeah. You're getting a better idea of the bigger picture. Fantastic. I lo love that example. It's a, it's a live example of exactly that concept. People will retain information better if you show them the chart. Absolutely. All right. Uh, so uh, speaking of uh, visualization, why Tableau? You know, there's uh, quite a lot of visualization tools out there. I personally am a huge fan of Tableau. and. Uh, we have several courses on the tool, and uh, you know I love the community around it. Um, uh, but what's your view? Why did you settle? Or I'm I'm not sure if you're is just Tableau or is other tools as well. But like it there's like a, other tools. Uh, Tableau is definitely my main visualization tool, and so um, out of all the uh, the more self-serving tools, right? We're not talking about Python or R or any of the charting libraries, but other than the standalone um, visualization platforms. Uh, Tableau to me is the most intuitive, mm -hmm. um, and the reason I don't necessarily do it for myself, but I do it for my clients, mm -hmm. um, and I'm not <laughs> I'm not paid to say that. Um, <laughs> but you know, Tableau is is easier uh, for a lot of people to grasp because uh, it just really makes visualization simple. Mm -hmm. gotcha. And so, uh, and it just started actually how I got into Tableau uh, right out of college. Um, one of the, the company I was working for, the analyst came in my office and he said, hey, I don't have, um, I, I'm not able to go to this conference. I think it was in Vegas. I'm not able to go to this conference. Are you interested? Mm. Like, okay, sure. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and it was Tableau. And then uh, from there, it was all uh, all downhill. Yeah, yeah. Tableau conference. I haven't been, but I, I'm really looking forward to going with Monte. They, yeah. they do an amazing job as well there. And you know, I don't want to dismiss any of the other uh, platforms either. Uh, my goal a lot of times in any sort of teaching or speaking engagements or, or really just best practices uh, is to create a um, platform agnostic mm -hmm. view. Mm -hmm. uh, all of, most of these concepts should be platform agnostic, right? Whether you're going to cl uh, click Power BI or Cognos or uh, whatever, the principles should remain the same. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. Um, and it's very interesting and inspiring to hear your passion for visualization because um, rarely do we have, like usually it's a, people either go into machine learning and AI and you know data science yep. in that direction or they go into the visualization side of things. 
Um, and, and that's fair. Like both, both paths are, are great. And that's what I've been trying to convey in the podcast as well. Um, but here it's exciting because you're a person who can do all the difficult technical machine learning um, models and you know, build all of that and, and even the architecture side of things. But at the same time, you acknowledge the power of visualization. So it's a, I think it's a message to everybody out there that's been focused a lot on the machine learning side of things and the deep learning side of things and the technical aspects and maybe the statistical side of things. It's a message that adding visualization to your arsenal of tools as a data scientist is not just going to be like a 1 plus 1 equals 2 equation. It's going to be a 1 plus 1 equals 100 equation because <laughs> exactly it's, it's like it, there's a lot of synergies, right? All of a sudden you can take those same results that you had from machine learning exercises and present them in an amazing, beautiful way with powerful visuals and then tell that same story that you're about to tell but have that visual anchor for people to look at. And, you know, additionally, I think uh, becoming a, a stronger visualist uh, helped me in my more technical roles as well. Mm -hmm. um, because I'm, I'm sitting here putting a lot of it off on the clients, but the truth is I learn a lot when I look at uh, visualizations. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if I'm dealing with a data set, uh, it's sometimes it's difficult to get the entire picture. Mm -hmm. You have to go through multiple iterations, and um, as soon as I start putting it uh, into visuals, I get new ideas, and it mm -hmm. kind of sparks something. So um, it, it helps all parties involved. Exactly, and I like what you said at the start as well, that a lot of the time your engagements start with visualization. Like when I worked back at Deloitte, that, that often was the case because um, you want the visualization allows you to not only present the results at the end or create a dashboard like an interactive tool for your client, but also at the start of the engagement, visualization is a facilitator of data mining, right? Like it's much, much harder to mine data like when you're coding in Python and, you know, check something and recode it, check something, recode it, or, you know, looking at a table with a million rows and columns. It's much easier when you see, you know, what's the mission of Tableau to help people a bit, like help people see their data, I think. So when you see your data all of a sudden and you can interact with it, then that's when the ideas start popping up. Yeah, and you know, a lot of these processes, uh, in my opinion, should work in parallel. Mm -hmm. um, you know, as I'm creating models and uh, developing in Python, I might look at the results in Tableau um, and then go back to Python to tweak it and, or, or maybe even adjust some of the structures to go into the database. Um, it's, it's not a linear process. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. To totally agree. Um, okay. So that's, that's very exciting. How about, tell us how you got into data science in the first place. Like, you know, we know about your business and how that started and, oh, a little bit how that started and what you're doing now, but very interesting. I always love to talk about the journey of a person, like where, where, what did you study? Where did um, you come from in that sense, professional sense, and how did you get into data science? Well, I'll say um, me getting into data science was uh, unintentional, or it wasn't conscious, at least. <laughs> um, so I went to Georgia Tech, mm -hmm. uh, and I graduated with a, a degree in industrial engineering and a concentration in statistics. Mm -hmm. um, so this, this effectively gave me a lot of time to focus on optimization and um, efficiency, right? Mm -hmm. And so, um, so, so, sorry, just to understand, industrial engineering is like building buildings, that type of thing. No, and you know that's that's funny. That's the that's the common um, perception. That's industrial civil, right? Yes, yeah, so this mm -hmm. is uh, industrial and systems engineering. Mm -hmm. 
the, <laughs> the process of making things more efficient. Oh, okay. um, so whether it's uh, optimization, simulation, or uh, a lot of linear algebra in there, mm-hmm. um, it's a fantastic discipline um, that I think might be overlooked. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. Well, good to know. Um, Thank you. Yeah. So uh, I graduated from there and um, I got a job at a large um, internet auction site. Mm-hmm. And so uh, they needed a data analyst, mm-hmm. and, and that's a pretty umbrella term, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I already had the statistic background coming in, and um, I, I was so fortunate to have a fantastic mentor of a DBA, mm-hmm. and um, he really got me excited into uh, the the scalability aspect of mm-hmm. things, right? The modeling and performance tuning. Um, so there kind of is, is where the birth of my uh, data modeling love came from. Mm-hmm. Um, so all of a sudden, I have all these fun um, algorithms going. I, I'm able to um, – I'm, I'm pretty efficient in all sorts of databases. Um, but now what? Mm-hmm. Okay, so, so I can do that. That's great. Um, and what I kept missing was the fact that there was no visibility in what I was doing, or minimal, right? Mm-hmm. Um, people took me at my word, mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. which is dangerous. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, I ended up getting into Tableau, and uh, and from there, I realized as you put those three together, that's um, – you know, it just dawned on me, wait a minute, this is this is kind of what data science is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, um, making sure that everything on the back end is scalable, we have good performance, it's structured properly. Mm-hmm. Um, I have really solid models that I'm proud of and um, that are robust, mm-hmm. and I'm effectively communicating this with the management team. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that's a long way of saying that I, I didn't intentionally get into data science, just one day I woke up and Oh yeah, that's that's kind of what I do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, gotcha, gotcha. Uh, that's that's really cool, man. That's um, an exciting journey. I love how sometimes these stories are like you get into data science out of out of the blue, right? You weren't intending yeah. on a career in in analytics or even you know whatever it was called back in the day, business intelligence. And mm-hmm. you know, just you met somebody like your mentor, and he got you a little bit into algorithms, and you then you know added added your skills together, and there you are. You're in data science. That's really cool. Really cool how you got here. Well, I think the term is, uh, you know, again, it's just a blanket term, but that's a, that's a good thing. Mm. Um, there's a lot of data scientists that focus more in one area than others. Mm-hmm. And there's some that are uh, evenly distributed, and it's. Um, it's it's just a, a fantastic industry to be in, especially at a time like this. Yeah, yeah, man. It's like, and f- f- your story is very in line, as you pointed out, with your current philosophy of data architecture, predictive layer, presentation layer. And while you were speaking, I was thinking of that. Remember the Venn diagram for data scientists? <laughs> yeah. yeah. What, what does it have there? It's got like programming, statistics, and it's like mathematics. Is that? Uh, yeah, yeah. One of the uh, the the best quotes. And I, shoot, I'm gonna butcher this. Um, but I was reading something. A definition. What is a data scientist? Yeah. And it, it was something along the lines of um, a statistician. Uh, or somebody who can develop better than a statistician, but knows more statistics than a developer, uh-huh. right? <laughs> it was just, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm sure I butchered it, that. It's like, that. I think I know that one. It's like a developer who, um, 
Sorry, sorry. A statistician. Ah, oh, you're right. It's hard. Shana. <laughs> it's like a statistician who can uh, develop, uh, but or a developer who can do statistics. Right. So, see, Kirill, this is exactly why we need a chart to show this. People would understand it better. Oh uh, yeah, true, true, true. <laughs> oh man. Uh, okay, I found the Venn diagram. It's uh, so it's hacking skills, maths and statistics. And substantive expertise, meaning like domain knowledge. Uh, sure. I'm, I'm guessing that's uh, as far as I remember. Um, but yeah, so coding stats and domain, uh, that's the intersection of data science, currently like commonly believed to be there. Um, so when you were speaking, I was thinking you should create your own Venn diagram and like write an article about it that the scientist is actually on the intersection of data architecture, predictive <laughs> layer, and presentation layer, you know, like have a fresh look on this perspective, on this whole thing. Yeah, I think I'll do that. That's a good idea. Yeah. Uh, you know, you bring up an interesting point. Um, I, I like what you said about domain knowledge. Uh, a lot of times, I think that's overlooked. So, mm. um, you know, one of the uh, a common scenarios that I run into is uh, as a consultant, you go into a company and, um, you know, perhaps people aren't as technical as you, and that's okay, right? Mm -hmm. That's, or else I'd be unemployed. Um, but I think it's, it's very important to never dismiss other people just because they're not as technical as you. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of these things, uh, a lot of these engagements to where we can build out great models and have great results and great visualizations, um, but I still need domain knowledge that I don't have from the person that's been there for 20 years. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think it's very, very important not to dismiss domain knowledge uh, or write somebody off as um, you know, perhaps not as valuable as yourself just because they don't have the skill set mm -hmm. you do. At the end of the day, um, this industry is, is a collaboration. It's not a competition. Mm -hmm. um, the more that we can work with people uh, really all across the space, I think the better results we'll have. Absolutely. I love that that uh, quote. It's a collaboration, not a competition. Um, yeah. I think the data science community, and I've talked, to, I've had a few guests that have mentioned this, and we've talked about it. That uh, the data science community is one of the most friendliest and most helpful communities out there. Whether it's yeah. Tableau or whether it's in. Um, GitHub or, or wherever you go, it, even these you know sub pockets of data science. Every time you're welcomed, your people help you answer questions, they help you with your projects, and uh, I w would love for us all to keep it that way. Let's, as you say, let's keep it a collaboration. I think everybody can benefit from like helping each other out, learning together. And well, growing. I think we do a good job, and I really think uh, that's what you do a fantastic job of is really uh, having these complex ideas and making them um, user-friendly to anybody mm. who can listen. Uh, and I think that's really encouraging because it's it's easy to get lost in some of these technical details, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, that's one thing that, uh, that I really try to be strong at is, um, is you know, thinking with a level of complexity while speaking with a level of simplicity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's and so, good. And so, you know, this comes down to, I remember my grandmother was telling me one time uh, she had gone to a few doctors for some illnesses and um, they were speaking so uh, just in such a high level term you know she's not a doctor mm -hmm. and I remember her being uh, frustrated and to the point where she even said I don't even want to go back to the doctor anymore because I don't understand them yeah. and so that's that's hard to hear and it makes you wonder um, how many businesses um, you know, could have possibly been turned away because they're discouraged. They don't understand some of the um, 
the data science lingo that we use. And um, it just really opened my eyes to how uh, important simple communication is. And simple doesn't mean dumb by any means, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. Man, yeah, it's, uh, it's sad sometimes when you, you have some great results and because they're not communicated well, they're, they just go and disappear. <laughs> they don't, they, <laughs> they well, you don't, don't ever want to scare somebody away. Yeah. Um, you don't want to intimidate them. And um, I think, unfortunately, there's, um, you know, perhaps some people think that uh, the more, the, the bigger words that you use is the same thing as, you know, equating to your intelligence. Mm -hmm. and, and that's simply not true. Mm -hmm. Um, but to your point, I think we do well as a community to um, to be welcoming and to be, um, you know, not intimidating. Like that. Yeah. What, what's your biggest tip that you can share uh, that you use in presentation? Like you, you do, I'm assuming you do like a ton of presentations for clients and uh, in your training sessions and so on. Like when you have these slides on uh, the wall or when you, you know, like is it is it something about the slides that uh, is the most uh, important kind of rule of thumb that you follow or is it during your speech or is it during the, the words you use the terms you say like is there one tip that you can share with our listeners that they can take away and apply in their own presentations yeah i think the i think the largest the, the biggest tip that i have is um use the five second rule mm. right um if i if i show you a dashboard or a chart and it takes you more than five seconds to understand one point on there mm -hmm. uh, i failed I've, I've failed. It's that simple. You, you mean like not, um, not understand the whole dashboard, but like one point, like a point that you showed out, pointed out? or If, if there is not a single point mm -hmm. um, that, you know, and let's say that I have a dashboard with four charts. Yep. Okay. Um, one point on there out of the four, or maybe it's a continuous point, whatever, mm -hmm. uh, you should have an insight within five seconds. Mm -hmm. uh, I think one of the... Uh, <laughs> One of the things that I see a lot of times is uh, you have all these really cool insights, and so you put 10 charts on the one dashboard, yeah. right? And it goes back to uh, just because you can doesn't mean you should. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I, I'd rather see um, two charts across five dashboards as yeah. opposed to 10 on one. Yeah. And, um, yeah, that would be my one uh, piece of advice to people. That's awesome. And um, the other ones – not because <laughs> I'm because I'm on a uh, yeah yeah keep going keep going but uh, another one is colors uh, yeah. colors are great they yeah. really make things pop yeah. um, but just as much as colors stand out um, uncolored the complement right yeah. um, uncolored things stand out too and what I mean by that is they prove your point so yeah. um, use your colors wisely yeah. uh, typically I like to have less than three to less maybe let's say less than five colors on the dashboard yeah makes sense makes sense and um, yeah, there are tools out there, uh, like for instance, Tableau has this already built in that allow you to pick the color palettes that uh, actually complement each other, that work really well. Um, yeah. What, what, there's another one, I forgot it now, um, Color Lab or something like that, For it's for data scientists to pick out colors. Anyway, we'll maybe include in the show notes if I remember. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. All right. I'll, I'll sh I have a designer. I'm not good at the, uh, <laughs> the the color portion, so I have a, a designer on my team that helps me out. That's smart. That's smart. You know, like uh, get uh, get some help there. And and for those out there who don't have like a business and who are not um, uh, you know, like building out a consulting enterprise, 
like <clears throat> Tim here <laughs> taking on the world. Um, <laughs> there's a, you can always like go. For instance, if you you need help with colors, you you know as well. You can always go and ask the community, and they'll help you out. Or if you are doing some freelancing work or things like that, you can outsource through tools like Fiverr, for instance. On Fiverr, you can get like designers and to help you out with uh, coloring something in for like five dollars to fifteen dollars. There's always ways to like if you're not like I'm not good with design. I can see a good design or a bad design, but to create one, <laughs> not the best person. So yeah, you just go and you know find some help on that on that front. Um, uh, thanks for sharing those tips. I also wanted to add my my tips since we're on the topic. Yeah. And mine would be that when I have slides on on the um, presenting and I'm presenting slides, and it, it can be a chart or it can be like you know like I'm presenting like the the whole presentation, and maybe some slides are not charts but like you know a word or um, I don't know a picture or something like that. My rule of thumb is um, that have zero text on my slides or, or almost like I might have like one word you know just to draw people's attention don't like I, I never put on very rarely like one, 0.1% of the cases I would I put like a sentence if maybe it's a quote by someone that I want to read out because as soon as you put more than a sentence on a slide and you expect people to listen to you what well, guess what they're doing <laughs> their brains are reading the slide that just appeared and you're talking you're not talking as fast as they're reading and there's this whole mis disconnect and by the time they finish reading, you're still, you know, halfway through that what they already kind of know, and then they get, um, they get disconnected and they switch off. So, and that ties in with my philosophy that when you're presenting, like for instance, especially with visualization, it might be tricky because in visualization, people might think, okay, so I created this dashboard, that's my deliverable. No, that's incorrect. Your deliverable is the insights that you're about to tell people. Your dashboard is there to assist you. And so my philosophy is that you're not there to assist your slides. Your slides are there to assist you. So all the time while you're, whether it's on stage or in front of the boardroom meeting or in, in just in the meeting room presenting to people, all the time the focus should be on you and then your slides should be like an auxiliary thing that you, you switch a slide, people look at it quickly, they get the picture and, they, and they're listening to you, they're focusing on you. And so in cases when, so some people might ask, but what if I'm delivering an interactive dashboard the client needs to use? Well, that's great. In that case, you need to create this dashboard and have it as a deliverable. But for your presentation, you need to change things. You need to either take screenshots and put them into your presentation or uh, you need to know exactly the sequence of steps that you're going to go through your dashboards because when you deliver a dashboard, indeed, the dashboard is the focus of the people when they're going to be using it and reading it. But when you're delivering a presentation, once again, you have to be the focus. Otherwise, you're going to lose that presentation and you're not going to get the insights across. Oh. I think that's fantastic. Um, yeah, that, I think you couldn't have said that better. That's a great point. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, and hopefully hopefully, if people combine our insights that we, we just shared, <laughs> then um, we'll get uh, some great results. And we'll get less pie charts. <laughs> <laughs> less pie charts. Um, yeah, I, I've heard that quite a lot, actually. What's uh, how how strong is your hate for pie charts? <laughs> it's it's not. Uh, I, I I joke uh, because I think it's kind of a community joke. Yeah. Um, but the the idea here of pie charts, you know, why would you use uh, a pie chart as opposed to let's just take a bar chart? Mm -hmm. um, and 
and the, the simple explanation is whenever you get a pie chart with multiple measures in it, um, you're then actually comparing um, uh, areas, mm -hmm. right, mm -hmm. based on radians, not absolute degrees. Mm -hmm. um, because if you have something, uh, let's take three values, right, one's at 50%, one's at, uh, let's say, 22%, and the other one's at, what, 28%. Yep. Uh, that's a lot harder to detect without labels, of course, mm -hmm. um, as opposed to if you have them stacked side by side. So I don't, I don't necessarily have this uh, strong hate for them. I just think that there are better ways uh, to convey uh, percent of totals and um, or, or percent, you know, uh, proportions. Yep. And um, I, I think one time that I, I do enjoy using them is uh, if there's only one measure, mm. right? How close are you to your goal? Okay, if you want to do a donut chart, um, I, I think I think that's fine. I still use it. Yeah, gotcha. Uh, I totally agree with that. Like for instance, I. Um I try to stay away from pie charts if it's more than three uh, components, or as you say, if it's hard to detect. Uh, sometimes I, I'll throw it in just because people are kind of, you know, like people are used to, especially when you're presenting to a board meeting, people are used to them. So if you have like, you know, um, a split between two things, sometimes it can be, uh, it can be okay. So, um, yeah, you know, people are resistant to change, aren't they? Like you said, if they're used to pie charts, uh, some of them still want pie charts. And, uh, to that same degree, it's why I still use, uh, as long as it's in taste, I still throw text tables on it. Yeah. Because people have been conditioned. They want their spreadsheets. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> there's a balance. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. Okay, so totally, totally agree with that. Let's uh, talk about an interesting thing that uh, you mentioned uh, on on uh, your list of things that you know you might be interested in talking about. Occam's razor. So tell us a bit more <laughs> about that. It's uh, such a cool name for a concept, and I would love to hear how you apply it in data science. Maybe let's start with what is Occam's razor. Uh, the idea that uh, sometimes the simplest answer is is the correct answer. Mm -hmm. um, there's no need to make it more complicated than it needs to be, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and and a lot of this, uh, for instance, I think one of the better examples is uh, a few years ago, and I think it's dying down now. But there's this huge surge of big data. Everybody mm -hmm. wanted to prepare their environments for big data. Uh, big data. They want new infrastructure and all that. Um, but it almost became it almost became a joke, really, because uh, I recall a company wanting a new back end built, and they said, "Oh yeah, we have a lot of data. We need to throw mm -hmm. all these complex stuff at it." I said, well, "Okay, well, what kind of size are we talking about? Like, well, we have we have over two million rows." It's mm -hmm. like, well, <laughs> I can't think of a single environment that's not really scalable in. Uh, there's no need to have, you know, any sort of they had heard buzzwords, right? Yeah. Hadoop and yeah. um, Spark, things like this. So um, they wanted to complicate things unnecessarily. Yeah. And I think that's uh, that's really what we're trying to convey here is uh, sometimes the, a simple approach is absolutely acceptable, uh, if not optimal. Mm, interesting. And so is is that um, is that hard to do? Like for a client, for a consultant, when your client wants something huge, and you know that that's uh, you know, like that's a lot of work for you. You know, ultimately, a consultant's you, as a consultant, you need to find work. But at the same time, you realize that's not the best thing for the client, and the ethical choice to do is to tell the client that that's not what they want. But also, it's not not as hard just because of that, but it's also hard to 
um, you know, they might have already had a board meeting. They might have already decided on this. They, you know, they have their their trajectory, and all of a sudden, here come here comes Tim, and like, bam, it's time <laughs> to change your trajectory. How, how does that work? No, that's uh, I have a rule of three mm-hmm. um, because you're right. At the end of the day, I'm running a business, and if somebody is uh, they want to hire me to do this project a certain way, uh, you know. Yep. You're the client. Um, however, I will state my opinion uh, strongly twice mm-hmm. um, and then make sure that they understand uh, perhaps some of the alternative routes and some of the um, uh, possible complications in the future. Uh, and then finally, by the third time, if they really want to pursue it, uh, I'll make sure that it's in writing mm-hmm. so that they fully understand that mm-hmm. <laughs> the people that they paid to give them good advice gave them what mm-hmm. they thought was the best advice and they chose to go, go against it. Yeah. Yeah, and that's fine too. Um, you know, sometimes it's it might be a coin flip, but uh, we're pretty firm to to what we believe um, are best practices. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very true. And and fair enough. Like I think it's a it's a good good approach because as a consultant as well, you know, some people might be like, no, this is the wrong thing. I'm not I'm not even going to do it. But at the end of the day, like. Everybody can make a mistake. Everybody can be wrong, right? Like, sure, you know, yeah. like you and I can also be wrong, even though, you know, probably given that you've seen so many of these engagements and so many of these clients, uh, you you know well, <laughs> that this is not going to end well or something like that. But at the end of the day, there's maybe a 1% chance that they see or know something that we don't know yet. And because yes. of that, that's why they're so sad. They're just not explaining it well or something like that. Yeah, there's an art, and I have—I'm not even close to have mastered this. Um, but there's an art to the discovery process mm. uh, because exactly like you just said, I can get in your environment and poke around and see what I need to see. But it seems like uh, there's just always something that creeps up yeah. <laughs> at the last minute. Yeah. And um, so I haven't mastered that art. But you're right. If at the end of the day, they—if they make the decision to go a certain route, uh, I'll respect it. And um, you know we'll just uh, we'll overcome the obstacle that comes. Gotcha. Okay. Um, next item on your list was the ability to find the answer is more valuable than the answer itself. And these are so cool. Like you should write a book of quotes or something like that. <laughs> um, um, I feel very strongly about this idea. Mm-hmm. Um, the you know, I kind of joke because when uh, my family thinks that I'm just a computer guru, uh, and I'm not. Anybody who knows me, oh my gosh, I'm awful. So <clears throat> whenever they ask me to fix, what are you? What are you doing in this business if you're awful? <laughs> well, <laughs> let me specify. Uh, maybe hardware, right? Yeah. Uh, I'm not a hardware guy. Yeah. And so if something um, they want me to fix their computer, I Google it, right? Mm, yeah. Um, I'm not. I'm not by far. Um, special in that field, but I know mm-hmm. how to Google things. Yeah. And um, I think most people in our position, I can do the same thing. We may not have the answer off the top of our head, mm-hmm. uh, but we can figure it out. We have good resources. We have um, a strong network and we're eager to listen. We're eager to learn. And uh, we know how to ask the right questions. Mm-hmm. And I often think that that's a stronger um, and more desirable value um, as opposed to just inherently knowing something. Mm. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And uh, person from my personal experience, I would say that that's how I chose, for example, my bachelor's degree. I didn't know what I wanted to do in life, but then I thought, all right, like, how about I go and do the most complex thing I can find, which was physics, and I, I really enjoyed physics <laughs> as well. 
So it's like, if I can learn how to do physics, then that will teach my brain how to learn how to do stuff, right? And then I can learn how to do anything else. And as you say, like, it's much more valuable to be able to find out how to do a hundred things than know how to do five. Well, and, you know, just moving along with that same concept, um, I'm a firm believer in uh, concepts over syntax, mm. right? Um, when I was in college, I spent a lot of time uh, learning R and becoming fluent and all of that. And, um, you know, the truth is the less that I used it, or maybe I didn't use it as much, I started to lose things. Mm -hmm. um, and then I decided to go ahead and become proficient in Python. Um, but even to this day, as I focus more on visuals, I've learned, I, I've forgotten a lot of the syntax. <laughs> mm -hmm. And um, it's just not... I can go back and Google it, right? Yep. Um, I understand the concepts, but I wasted a lot of time learning every small piece of um, mm -hmm. framework language there. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. Exactly. It's that's that's, that's a wonderful one. Um, okay, next one on your list is less is often more. Uh, I think we talked about this. This is about being effective with your visualization, correct? Yeah, absolutely. And it's, uh, you know, back to the point of if you have uh, 10 different insights mm. that you want to convey, yeah. uh, perhaps you do that across multiple dashboards or stories or mm. uh, whatever your deliverable is. Um, and, you know, just in general with visualization, uh, the, the simplest question to ask is, so what? Mm -hmm. So what? Um, a pretty visual means nothing in business context if if there's no takeaway, if there's no actionable item on there. Yeah. If people can't leave, um, if people can't leave your presentation with a takeaway, um, more so even if they're excited to do it, mm -hmm. um, then in my opinion, that's that's not an effective visualization. Yeah, I totally agree. And for those listening who may have not caught on yet, we're going through a list, and I probably should have mentioned the name of this list at the start of this discussion. So Tim uh, put together a wonderful list called 10 things a degree won't teach you. And we've already gone through the first five. It's a collaboration, not a competition. We talked about it at the start. And then here now we've talked about Occam's razor, the ability to find the answers more valuable than the answer itself, concepts over syntax, and less is often more. And we've got five more coming up. So I hope people are enjoying these and maybe writing them down. If you're not driving, don't, don't write. And drive. <laughs> um, but Tim, I, I had a suggestion for you. Like in, in line with um, our, uh, what we were saying on the podcast so far that people remember things better in a visual. Um, do, you, do you, might you have a visual already for these 10 things? I don't know, uh, but it's it's on the to-do list. <laughs> How about we do that? How about like we get together and you know we get some designers on board, you know your designer, our designer, and we make this happen. And so when people are listening to this podcast, they can go to the show notes and download it there. And you know, and then after the session, they'll have a good solid takeaway with the ten things that they learned from this session that a degree won't teach them. No, I think that's a fantastic idea. I'll uh, follow up with you uh, afterwards. Yeah, sounds good. All right, everybody listening, you'll be able to find these at the show notes, and uh, the show notes will mention, I'll mention them at the intro, outro. You'll know which episode number to look for. All right, so we got five done. Let's do five more. Are you ready? Yeah. All right, next one is common sense. Does it pass the sniff test? I'm really excited to hear about this. What's, what's the sniff <laughs> test? Uh, so there's... there's um, you know, the concept of the sniff test is, is 
doesn't make sense, right? Just stepping back to the average person. Yeah. Uh, a lot of times what happens, I find, is that we, we get so involved with the project. We're so um, intimate with this particular data set that sometimes we forget to take a step back. Mm -hmm. And so you may have done everything properly. You may have done your analysis properly. Your visualizations are awesome. Um, but at the very first stage, you could have arbitrarily done an outer join instead of an inner join. Mm -hmm. And now <laughs> you mm -hmm. have this 300 billion uh, road data set. And not that your analysis is, is flawed at this point, but it doesn't pass the sniff test. Mm -hmm. And so the example I like to give is I was at a conference one time and uh, this gentleman was speaking and mentioned something about uh, active users on the website. And he said, at any given moment, we have uh, 3 billion active users on the website. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and tell you it wasn't Google. Okay? Um, and so, you know, there was a couple of looks around. Anyway, about a year later, I ran into um, a guy who, who worked with this gentleman. And he said, oh, yeah, he, he ended up having a wrong join in there somewhere and bloated his records, right? Yeah. Um, his presentation was fantastic. Um, and some of his insights were were great from a structural standpoint, yeah. but he, I don't think he ever took the time to step back and say, wait a minute, does this actually make sense? Yeah. Um, because sometimes at the end of the day, the data that we work in sometimes is uh, contextually ambiguous, yeah. Yeah. right? Numbers are numbers. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that's, that's my way of saying, just step back for a second and make sure that it passes uh, the sniff test, the eyeball test, whatever the, the expression is. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay, that's that's definitely a good good tip, uh, piece of advice. Um, Three billion users. Yeah, definitely something around there. Um, <laughs> all right. Next one is take care of yourself. A healthy balance is critical in this industry. Very interesting and uh, unconventional wisdom. Like we, I think we all know that in at the bottom of our hearts, but not everybody like, points it out. So, uh, tell us a bit more about that. Um, I love what I do. And I think most people uh, that deal with data or in this industry, um, we love what we do. And it's very easy to become obsessed with the project and uh, really just focus on it and give it 90% of your effort or 100% of your time. Mm -hmm. um, but the truth is that leads to brain fatigue. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm a big fan of uh, stepping back and taking care of yourself, whether it's physically or um, emotionally or wh whatever the case may be. And so I'm, uh, I'm an avid mountain biker, mm -hmm. right? So that's my way of escaping technology. Mm -hmm. um, it's important to me to actually get out away from the computer, unplug, um, and then a couple hours later, come back to the same problem. Mm -hmm. And that helps me overcome uh, so many obstacles that I run into. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think everybody understands their limits and they know when they're just churning wheels. There's a point of diminishing return, mm -hmm. right, uh, where you're just not efficient. It's <laughs> it's more effective. It's better for you just to walk away for a couple hours um, and make sure that you're, you're mentally uh, in the right place. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I mentioned the physical part, but there's other things too. Reading. I was really bad at... Um, I, I like to read books, uh, but a lot of the books that I read were still technical. Mm -hmm. um, and so recently my wife uh, told me, she said, hey, start reading fiction. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so um, I did. And it's uh, it's nice. It's nice to have that separation of um, the, the technical complexities with almost an escape. And uh, I, I think it's very healthy to, to have that. That's so cool, man. Like I've been the same. I've, I hadn't... 
I hadn't read a fiction book for like years, if not if not more than a decade. And then all of a sudden, like I was like, let's try it out. Let's see if I if I can get get something out of this. And uh, I think earlier this year, I read uh, what is it called? Like my first like first fiction book in, in ages, Ender's Game. Then some another book from Ender's Universe. And uh, oh yeah, those yeah. are great. Yeah, those are great. And then now I'm reading Assassin's Apprentice. I'm actually listening okay. to the, to them on Audible. Audible. And like they really suck you in, and you completely forget about everything else, especially like if you're on a plane or in a car, like you know, like um, you're driving or maybe you're, somebody else is driving, and you, for an hour or sometimes like you know, I'll listen to it for forty minutes or an hour. You completely your brain switches off in the sense of all this data science, technology, business, and the work stuff and things like that. I completely agree with you. It does. It creates a fantastic balance. Mm. And uh, I'll tell you one more example. Um, the other day, uh, my wife and kids, were, we were in a craft store, right? Mm. And just out of some random whim, I decided to purchase a few canvases and uh, some acrylic paint and some supplies. Right? As you do. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I ended up getting home and I started to paint. And of course, I'm getting questionable looks from my wife and kids. Yeah. Um, and I'll tell you, you'll never be surprised at what you're good at when you try. Yeah. But, but painting was not it. I was awful. Yeah. <laughs> it, was so, it was so terrible. Yeah. Um, but it was so funny and therapeutic yeah. uh, that it, it really helped. It just uh, it turned off that uh, side of the brain and, and allowed me to be more creative. Yeah. That's really. Cool. I mean, you're not going to buy my artwork anytime soon. <laughs> it's terrible. Oh man, I don't know. Sometimes they sell these these artworks for like. Thirty thousand dollars and looks like a five-year-old <laughs> painted it. Like no offense to anybody. Like I, I, maybe I just don't understand some contemporary art. But yeah, <laughs> you never know. There's a. Have you seen Untouchables? That movie. Uh, Untouchables. It's a French movie about this man who got paralyzed in a parachuting accident, and then uh, this, uh, and then he was looking for somebody to care, take care of him, and so they, then they end up bonding and. Uh, no, it sounds good though. It's a good movie. It's, it's a bit tragic, but it's a good movie. But anyway, there because he's uh, he's in the circles uh, where you know, like you know the aristocratic circles of France, I think, or like business circles, and he helps this guy that's taking care of him. He like he gets him to paint a painting, and then he sells it for like ten thousand euros or something. Just like <laughs> it's his first painting. Just <laughs> well, all your listeners are going to go to velocitygroup.io, and it's going to be an art gallery pretty soon. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, oh, you you just found your new profession, man. <laughs> uh, that's cool. Um, all right, and uh, oh, I wanted to ask you. Uh, first of all, how many kids do you have? Two, ages two, two and three. Oh wow! Congratulations, best <laughs> thank you, best ages ever. You're probably getting so much sleep these days. Oh, they're fun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right, and um, which book are you reading right now in terms of fiction? Um, some worth killing, I believe is what it's called. Interesting. And, uh, yeah, my wife was a little bit worried because, uh, the premise of the book is a man who is trying to find a way to, you know, uh, murder his wife. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, I didn't choose it though. It was a yeah. bestseller and yeah. somebody recommended it, yeah. but, uh, it's, it's good to escape for, you know, a half hour a night or something. Yeah. Yeah. Good. All right. Um, okay. Let's get back to our list. We got three more. Um, number seven. No, eight. Whoops. Uh, eight. Help and be helped. That's a good one. Yeah, so you hit this pretty early, um, but I think as a community, we do a fantastic job of just helping each other. Mm. And um, I, I think we need to make sure that we are also helping those um, who need help, um, but that we're also willing to accept help. Mm -hmm. um, 
you know, eventually a lot of people uh, are going to either retire or worse, become managers. And uh, you need to make sure that you <laughs> become managers. <laughs> you I love train that. the appropriate people, right? Yeah. And so um, I, I think we do a great job, but it's just important to be conscious of uh, help when you can and uh, be willing to ask for help when you need it. Gotcha. I to totally agree with that. I think you do a fantastic job. For some reason, you know, I've been following Super Data Science for a while, yeah. and uh, I, I always see how active you and your team are, and uh, I've never once uh, detected any sort of condescension on your part. Um, I think you guys do a fantastic job of uh, just really giving back to the community as a sense of knowledge, and so um, I, I just want to thank you thank for you. that and all your contributions. It's thank, awesome. thank you. Really, I really appreciate the comments, um, but I also love your in this um, point that you said, help and be helped. I like the second uh, part, you know, be helped. A lot, of, a lot of time it's people, you know, you, you, even if you're helping a lot others, it's important to recognize and not shy away from it when you r realize that you need help with something. And, uh, and I'll extend it beyond data science. It might be like with work or with learning something in data science, but it also might be like in your personal life or in, in, in sports, in your, in your diet, in your health, in, in, in whatever it is. So, sure. yeah, a lot of people like don't take, it goes back to your whole thing, or the previous point, take care of yourself. Part of it is reaching out to ask people, hey, you know, like I got this problem, can you help me out solve it? Well, so let me ask you this. Uh, personally, if somebody ever came to you or your team and said, hey, I'm not really sure how to do something. Can you help me out? Have you ever been uh, upset that somebody asked you for help? No, never. If I, no, if I can, I always help. And most people are always excited to help. Yeah. Um, people enjoy helping, and it's okay to accept help. Mm. Um, and equally, uh, you know, I enjoy helping people. So, uh, you know, I assume the inverse is true. Yeah, exactly. Okay, number nine. Ninety percent of your work will go unnoticed. Interesting. Very, <laughs> very uh, intriguing. What do you mean by that? Well, uh, don't quote that stat. That <laughs> was, was more of a point. A data science stat. Uh, okay. Yeah, there's there's no uh, citation there. Um, no, the the principle there is uh, I think a lot of people more on the visualization side. So let's take uh, Power BI or Tableau developers. Um, you know, they think that perhaps they're going to go in and do nothing but visualization um, development for 40 hours a week. And the truth is, mm. uh, a lot of times I, I think that you're spent in the back end, right? Whether it's in uh, SQL Server or Postgres, whatever your database is, mm -hmm. and uh, building a lot of the back end or optimizing things. And um, a lot of that goes unnoticed, right? Mm -hmm. And this kind of circles back with my entire business model. Um, you know, I can write effective scripts and build effective models and have uh, efficient databases. Um, but at the end of the day, what people notice are my visualizations. Mm -hmm. And so um, the other stuff is just, oh, okay, they got it done. That's it. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> all of that hard work where I spend all of that time is, um, you know, maybe unnoticed isn't the right word, <laughs> yeah. but the, the simplest, least time-consuming part, the presentation layer, um, that's what people notice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, definitely. And, and you got to be prepared for that, right? You got to be, um, you know, you got to know that that's what you're getting into. That's just the nature of data science. You're going to be spending a lot of time on data prep and other things, whatnot, and then just, but if you do that right, the rest is actually fun. 
the oh agreed absolutely yeah the, the analytics and so on <laughs> uh, but if you do it wrong then you might have fun but you'll end up with three billion active users <laughs> <laughs> well it just takes a while uh, you said it actually the uh, tab, or, uh, prep in general yeah right so especially uh, a lot of companies think that their data is already standardized and normalized right. um, <laughs> it's often not I'll leave yeah. it at that <laughs> yeah totally okay and final 10 out of 10 staying stimulated the importance of having fun yeah. Um, so, you know, back to just really being obsessed with projects and getting too deep and too close. I think it's really important to have um, to still have fun with mm. the data. And I'll tell you something I did recently um, because I just wanted to practice something new is um, going back to my mountain biking thing. Mm -hmm. I released a survey to a couple social media sites, mm -hmm. uh, just a quick 10 question mountain biking survey. Mm -hmm. And much to my surprise, it had massive traction. It mm -hmm. was awesome. Right. People all over the world um, were answering this. And um, it was just really, really humbling, honestly. Um, but all of a sudden I have this real data set from real users. Uh oh, <laughs> that now I can sit here and provide visualizations. And I think I, I recently made a post on uh, at least the first pass of the visual. And um, it's just it, it kind of recharged me. Mm -hmm. um, because it's something that I enjoy. It's something that I can relate to. Yep. And um, it, it just made visualization fun again. Uh, sometimes data can be monotonous. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's a secret. It uh, doesn't mean we don't love what we do, but um, you know, it's having fun is uh, the key to staying fresh and, um, and really energized. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, that's, that's really cool. Um, so even with your data science skills you can have fun in not in a work mode the kind of like i think it helps remember as well that what you're doing is uh not just for work that it's actually a, a huge a very powerful tool that you can apply in uh, your own hobbies like in mountain biking or uh, you know maybe, sure. maybe to help somebody right like you you could go and analyze uh, there's these organizations that allow you to like kind of like Kaggle, but they allow you to analyze data sets for non-for-profits and you obviously yeah. don't get paid or anything like that, but you, you actually help out an organization, you know, like might be a, a school somewhere in Africa that they're trying to analyze how many backpacks they're going to need in the coming semester or something like that. Yeah, there's some fantastic resources out there, and um, I, I just think it's good to have some practice on some non-corporate, mm -hmm. uh, you know, sets of, of data. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And you know, most of the stuff, even if you're building models um, or whatever the case may be, um, you can apply those, right? Mm -hmm. You might get new ideas to where you can take back to your day job. Um, you're just more inclined to, uh, you know, to explore data that you're interested in. Yep. Yep. Totally. Um, well, okay, that's, uh, that brings us nicely to the end of, uh, or slowly to the end of the podcast. Those were 10 amazing things. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Tim, so much for sharing. Um, how do you come up with them? Um, <laughs> I learn as I go. And these are all things that I, I didn't realize as I came into the industry. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's, it's just about being aware of, of what's going on. Um, you know, I've been so fortunate to have just so many great people such a great network help me. Yeah. And, um, I, I think most of them agree with, uh, with a lot of these points and, um, 
that's that's where we got them. That's awesome. And speaking of people and help and network, where would you say are the best places for our listeners to contact you or get in touch for your career? Or maybe there are uh, businesses out there that need your help, you know, speaking of getting help and want the help of Velocity Group. What's what's the best sure. places to get in touch? So uh, you guys can always uh, email me at tim at velocitygroup.io, uh, whereas our website, if you want to take a look, is uh, velocitygroup.io. Um, and then you can follow me on LinkedIn. Uh, one of my goals this year is to be more active mm. uh, from a social media standpoint. I'm working on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you can find me at LinkedIn, uh, Tim Lafferty. Mm. That's awesome. I'm just looking at your LinkedIn. I noticed you know Andy Kriebel already. I was. I literally, when we were talking, and you mentioned Tableau, I made myself a note to introduce you to Andy Kriebel. He's a um, Tableau Zen master uh, several yeah. times and uh, he works at, at the data school in the UK. How do you guys know each other? Um, I, I follow his work. I think he does fantastic stuff mm. in the community. I, I don't know him personally, um, but I think he's just uh, such a in, such a valuable asset in terms of content mm. and uh, teaching. I think his style's great. I think his visuals are great. Um, so I just really like following him and the things that he does. Awesome. Well, I'll introduce you guys. I think uh, I think you guys have some some a lot of stuff in common with your passion for Tableau. <laughs> uh, yeah, that'd be great. Thank you. I appreciate it. Okay, awesome. Um, and uh, so, oh, and also, of course, speaking of uh, getting in touch with Tim, um, maybe Tim will be at Data Science Go this year, and uh, you'll be able to meet him in person there, right, Tim? Yeah, I'd love to. Um, I, I think that's the the plan initially. We've got to work out some logistic things, uh, but yeah, we have intentions of it. That's awesome. That's awesome. And. Um, yeah, to finish off, one more question. What's a book that you can recommend to our listeners that will help them in their careers or just in life? So uh, the first thing I'm going to say <laughs> is uh, I, I actually have your Confident Data Skills book. Oh, thank you. Um, this is the first time it's been mentioned on the podcast. Thanks. For well, that. I, I don't want uh, listeners to think that that was you know, premeditated <laughs> or something. Um, but one thing that you did so fantastically in this book uh, was really simplify um, I, th- I think data science in general, mm-hmm. um, especially when it comes down to the analysis sections. I believe there's two parts to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you did a great job of really partitioning and um, and just breaking off the different types without going too detailed. So I think you found a fantastic balance, and um, all of my my team has a copy oh, wow. um, that way they can quickly get uh, the answers they need. So I just wanted to say I think that's that's a fantastic. Thank book. you, man. I'm so uh, humbled and I'm so like. Grateful that you took the time to read it. Thank you so much. Oh, it's it's an easy read too. Um, and you know, going to the total opposite, one of the more uh, difficult technical reads um, that I have, but I still think it's fantastic, is a book by uh, Peter Flatch or Flack. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's called Machine Learning: mm-hmm. The Art and Science of Algorithms That Makes Sense of Data. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is pretty technical. A lot of it goes down to straight statistics, not even uh, development or syntax, no code, um, more just conceptual math. But I think it's really, really uh, well written. Um, <laughs> it's just you'll need a brain break every uh, every hour or so. <laughs> um, and then another one that I like is um, the Big Book of Dashboards. I like that for reference, and that's the one with uh, I believe it's Steve Wexler, Jeremy Schaefer, and uh, Andy. Uh, 
Okay. Wow. <laughs> so uh, that's a that's a neat uh, book that I, I reference whenever I have kind of a I, I need some inspiration for creativity. I think they do a great job of uh, conveying effective messages without polluting the dashboard environments. Yeah. Well, that's that's a good list. Thank you, and very diverse. So to recap, uh, confident data skills by yours truly. Um, <laughs> machine learning. Who was that by? Uh, Peter Flatch, F L A C H. Okay. Uh, Peter Flatch, uh, and we might be pronouncing it wrong. I, yeah, I'm not sure about that. F L A C H. Yeah, and uh, the big book of dashboards. That's that's really cool. Um, okay, well, thank you, thank you for sharing those as well. And once again, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's it's been an episode longer than usual, but. I'm sure our listeners will agree, well worth it. I learned a ton and really appreciate you coming and sharing all these insights, Tim. Well, I really appreciate you having me on, Krill, and I look forward to uh, following you throughout your uh, well-established career. All right, so there you have it. That was Tim Lafferty from VelocityGroup.io. I really hope you enjoyed this podcast thoroughly and got a lot of insights my personal favorite was the concept that the presentation layer is the most important and it reflects the situation in data science that there is a lot of demand there's a lot of supply of skilled people who can perform the analytics but that gap between the insights and the decision makers is still there and that's why we need more and more data scientists who are actually skilled at conveying the insights to the end user to the person they're presenting to in an effective way and uh, of course we've got the infographic make sure to head on over to superdayscience.com 181 to download it there so I'm sure by now, by the time you're listening to these episodes, our designers have prepared something super special, super unique for you, so you can keep those 10 tips close to your heart and keep them there. And remember, as we discussed in this episode, um, you retain or people retain things better when they see visuals, when they actually can relate to them. So if you want to remember those 10 tips better, then download the infographic and maybe even send it to some of your friends, some of your colleagues who are in the space of data science and help them out. This goes in line with one of the those actual 10 tips that we discussed, which is help and be helped. I think that was tip number eight. So there we go. On that note, make sure also to check out velocitygroup.io if you're interested in any consulting engagements, especially in Atlanta area or in the US. Um, Tim mentioned that they will be expanding globally. But if you're in the US or especially in Atlanta, then make sure to connect with Tim and they do training sessions, they do lots of consulting, very interesting consulting engagements and might be able to help you out. Uh, also, make sure to follow Tim uh, on LinkedIn. Uh, it's Tim Lafferty and we'll have his LinkedIn URL in the show notes at superdatascience.com slash 181. And finally, if you enjoyed this podcast and if you got something valuable out of it then if you know somebody else who can get something valuable out of it if you know somebody who can benefit from these 10 tips or from the whole concept of the presentation layer and why it's so important uh, or maybe who would benefit from connecting with Tim then make sure to forward them this episode and spread the word and help others also be successful data scientists. Remember, it's a community where we're not competing, but we're collaborating. 
So the more people you help, the better it is going to be for everyone. And then eventually, people will be helping out each other as well. So on that note, I hope you enjoyed today's show. And I look forward to seeing you back here next time. Until then, happy analyzing.